bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for your blessings. Thank you for this crowd and, uh, Lord, eager and hungry people to come and study your word. Lord, I pray that you'll give me the ability to teach and to deliver this word in such a way that it's easy to understand as we take verse by verse and, and, and read and study and, and look to what we need to know today. God, I pray that your will be done. I know that if there's anybody that don't deserve to be here, it's me. But I'm so glad for your grace and your kindness and your mercy. And I pray that you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit, that I may teach your word with boldness and with clarity and with, uh, uh, Lord, in a correct way. I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We'll take verse by verse throughout this, the rest of this chapter, but I want to I skip down to verse number 19. I want to skip down to verse number 19, and, and we'll kind of start there. Uh, these false teachers came into the church uh, and infiltrated, if you will, the church in a sneaky way because they wanted everybody to think that they were just like the rest of them. We believe just like the rest of you. Hey, we're, we're a part of the fellowship, uh, and they were trying to do that to get converts. Uh, they came in in a sneaky way, and this is what they offered them, freedom, liberty, uh, you hear those words all the time in today's society. You hear that for years and years, you, you, you talk about this revolution and that revolution. We want freedom. We want, and, and this is what, this is what's in the mind of people. When you hear the word freedom or liberty, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. It's kind of like the teenager that was upset at his parents, you know, because he was tired of being bossed around and everything. And, and he told his dad, he's leaving the house. He's leaving the house and he's joining the military. And he said, why are you doing that? He said, I'm getting out of this house. I'm tired of people telling me what to do. I'd like to ask him, how's that working for you? Amen. I'd like to see him the first day he shows up with that drill sergeant. Amen. Uh, I don't want people to tell me what to do. I mean, that's, that's like a human nature that we all have. Nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody likes to be uh, restrained, if you will. Nobody likes to be confined, and, and we want liberty. And so, so these false teachers use that as bait. Uh, we're going to offer you freedom. And, and you know, uh, if, if, if we're not careful, if we're not careful as a church, uh, we have a tendency to go one way or the other. And I know you're thinking, what are you talking about? Human nature, human nature goes to extremes with everything. Uh, we can't have one snow cone. We need five. You, you can't have chocolate and vanilla. You got to go to the store with 37 flavors. Say amen. I mean, it's going to be one way or the other. And, and what I mean by that is, is you'll go to one church and they have every rule in the book. You can't even breathe right or it's against the rules that they have. Uh, and we call that legalism. We call that a legalistic church. or uh, 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 the, In other words, the churches that have more rules than Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And, and you grow up, you grow up in, 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 a certain, uh, in a certain environment, and, 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 and you're so confined by that. You're so, and, and Jesus used it this way. He was speaking, he was speaking to the people uh, in his day, and, and they were underneath that, 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 that crushing hand of legalism, that crushing hand of the Pharisees, and, 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 and all the rules and regulations and things that they had going on. And it was just crushing the people. And Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so Jesus was offering, if you will, he was offering freedom. And, and so if you're, you grow up, if you grow up in that legalistic mode, in that legalistic society, in that legalistic atmosphere, and you realize this ain't what it's all about, 
And one day you realize that this is not what God meant. This is not what the Bible teaches. This is not really righteousness. This is self-righteousness. This is really not what God meant. Well, we, we got to be careful because you'll hear somebody talk about freedom. And then what people do, what a lot of people do, is they'll want to get out of this atmosphere so bad and get so far away from the legalist crowd, they go way over here. To the liberals, where anything goes, where you can't preach against sin, where you can't preach the Bible, where, listen, just live and let live and, and just do whatever, whatever you feel is, are y'all with me? And see, that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing because, because we, we so far and so much do not want to be legalistic that we forget that we forget that, 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 that no, there is no such thing as a freedom to just do what you want to do. That's a, that's a fantasy. We, we, we see in the past, and there's so many, I had a list of so many things, but I knew we'd never get to it all tonight, uh, of, of different revolutions that took place that just led into bondage and slavery. And, and one, of the, one of the most prevalent that makes this everybody realizes and sees, the sexual revolution. Listen, what took place during the 60s? Oh, free love, free this, free that. I, 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 I copied this down because it was so good. It says, uh, take the sexual revolution, for instance. Did throwing off the norms and habits born of Judeo-Christian ethics really make us any freer? Sexual, the sexual revolution promised us a loving, freer world but has actually killed love as well as romance. Where is, where is the love in sexually transmitted diseases? Where's the romance in hooking up? What about illegitimacy and the problems compounded by it? Has the debasement of marriage, the encouragement of various deviances liberated our society? The sexual revolution has enslaved millions and made everyone's life uglier. And then, then, the, writer, then the writer gave this illustration. I was like, whoa, look at this. Everybody wants to be free, no restraints, no bondage, no, no holding. And that's what made the bait so tempting. And we'll talk about how this is a false freedom in a minute. But watch this. this, this freedom everybody wants. The most liberated man, if you want to look at liberation in that way, where nobody can tell me what to do, there's no restraint whatsoever, then the most liberated man in the Bible was the man of Gadara. Nobody could chain him, no restraints. He could, he, no, listen, nobody could tell him what to do. Nobody could bind him. He, listen, he was free of convention. He was free of civility. He was even free of clothes. Say amen. Dude was naked. Whatever he wanted to do. And you know what? That's what society wants you to do. I can just wear whatever I want to wear. Nobody, it doesn't matter. Modesty just out the window. But do you know? Do you know where Jesus found this free guy who's been liberated? In the tombs, cutting himself and crying. Isn't it amazing that the freedom that the devil offers just leaves you in a graveyard? And all this freedom and liberty that this world has to offer, these false teachers had to offer, it's a false freedom. I've run into people, I've run into people say, yeah, I used to do that church stuff. I used to do that church thing, but I don't believe that no more. I'm free. And they have no idea what they're talking about. No idea what they're talking about. Freedom, freedom is a concept that is very important in today's world. Yet not everybody really understands what the word means. Nobody is completely free in the sense of having the ability and the opportunity to do whatever he wants to do. For that matter, doing whatever you please is not freedom. It's the worst kind of bondage. You say, how do you know that? Because every action, there comes a consequence. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, what we're going to do, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go verse by verse through this. And we're going to show why this freedom that they were offering is a false freedom. It's not true. It's a sham. And by the way, the devil will always offer something that's a counterfeit. He offers a counterfeit religion. He offers a counterfeit gospel. 
Listen, he offers counterfeit truths. Why? Because that's what he is. He's a liar. And, and the word says he's the father of all lies. Are y'all with me? You see, you see, this is the way God operates. God loves people. Even unlovable people. You say, why would God love him? Because that's what God is. It's just who he is. He had, we haven't deserved it. People say, I don't know. I don't understand why God would love me. Well, it don't have nothing to do with you. It has all to do with him. And see, the devil's the same way. God loves people because God is love. The devil lies and offers counterfeits because that's what he is. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, let's look at this. Number one, how do we know that this liberty that's, that's spoken about in verse 19, this, this freedom that, that these false teachers offer, how do we know it's false? Number one, it's based on false promises. If you've got, some of y'all have got the answers already, and you just listen, I guess. But if, if you have your old outlines, this is, these are blanks here, so, so go ahead and write the answers in. Uh, this freedom that these false teachers are offering is based on false promises. False promises. Look what it says in verse number, uh, verse number 17. <clears throat> these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Uh, faith is only as good as the object. A pagan may have great faith in his idol, but the idol can do nothing for him. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that faith will accomplish something because God always keeps his promise. Amen. Now, here's, here's the thing. He gave, he gave illustrations to, to, to describe these guys. He said, man, they're wells without water. Wells without water. I, I, I imagine this. I imagine in my mind when I'm reading the Bible, I try to use my imagination as I'm reading this and how he's trying to describe this. I, I imagine this guy going through the desert and he's thirsty and he's going over this hill and that hill and, and man, he's about to die of thirst and he sees a well. And oh, that well is so promising. Oh, that well is so exciting. Finally, I'm going to get some water. Finally, I'm going to get some relief. And he looks down in the well and there's nothing but dirt. And he's saying, listen, they promise a hope, but there's no substance to it. And then he uses the phrase, he uses the phrase clouds without rain, clouds without water. I, I, I've seen it, I've seen it times during the summertime, especially during a drought when, when farmers really need to rain for their crops. And, and man, they're praying for rain and they're asking God for rain. They're needing rain bad. And man, the, start, the, the clouds start, or the, the, the sky starts getting cloudy and it starts getting dark and everybody starts getting excited. Everybody starts getting ready for the rain and what well, is finally here and it just kind of just blows away. That's what these guys are. And that's what this world promises. That's what Satan promised Eve in the garden. False promises. The only reason that God doesn't want you to take this fruit is because God doesn't want you to be like him. He knows you'll be as God's. What a lie. False promises. Oh, oh, and, and, and we can see it all through culture. We can see it all through society. Oh, oh, if you love me, you'd go to bed with me. Oh, yeah, listen, we don't. God, he's just a prune, and, and God, he just doesn't want you to have fun. And, and God, No, God wants you to have what's real. All that, all the, those rules and regulations, that's just to bind us up where we don't have freedom, and that's a false promise. How is this so, how, how, do, how do baby Christians, how do they succumb to it? I mean, how do false teachers really get to be, because I'm, and I've seen people that were very intelligent. I have seen people that, that, that I would say, how could you be this ignorant? I mean, how could you really, how could you believe this? They're, they're, what, I, I, really? But then it gives in the next verse, it tells how. They are so deceptive and how they are able to accomplish what they accomplish. Look at what it says in verse 18. This is how they do it. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity. Boy, I had fun with my Webster's 1828 with this verse. Say amen right there. Swelling. Matter of fact, I found out that the two definition, the two words that were defined, giving me the definition of that, I had to look them up too. Amen. Uh, bombastic was the word it gave. Great swelling words, swelling, bombastic. In other words, big talk. They were big talkers. But the, but the, the thing about it is it said, it said swelling words of vanity. And the word vanity means empty. 
You ever, you ever heard somebody say a whole lot of nothing? Y'all with me? They say a whole lot of nothing. I mean, and they can, they can really say it good too. I, and, and, and there have been several preachers in my lifetime that, son, I tell you what, they didn't have nothing to say, but they could really say it. How, how are they so good? They're really smooth talkers. How'd Satan trick Eve? He was smooth. Subtle is the word that's used. Listen, if, if I hear the, the phrase, the next dimension, one more time, from a TV evangelist, I'm going to throw the TV in the yard. <laughs> or the next level. We're moving to a whole nother level. And I, it, I'm like, what does that mean? We're going to another dimension. We're do, and, 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 and so for 30 minutes, they say this over and over, and the people get all jacked up and all excited. Now, I'm waiting on the steps to get there. And it never comes. What are they doing? They're swelling words, big words. Mighty words, words that sound good and words that sound spiritual but have no content whatsoever. It's like the well and it's like the clouds. Big words but say nothing. Say nothing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, the second part of this verse. First, they got, they're good smooth talkers. They're good smooth talkers. <clears throat> They have, they're very eloquent in their speech. The second thing is this, verse 18. They allure, they trap, they bait, if you will. They lure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantingness. In other words, wantingness, I looked that word up too. Uh, that means uh, basically uh, uh, immorality, uh, uh, lasciviousness, uh, being, being, uh, being wicked, immoral. And what he's saying is this is the way they trap people and the way they trick people is they, they target the base appetites of people. Let me illustrate so we can all understand. How many of y'all seen the Hardee's commercial? Y'all with me? What are they doing? They, there's something they know. Sex sells. And this is what's taking place here. They are, they are targeting, they are targeting the very base appetites of people. Now, we can, we, can, we, can, we can say what we want, but guess what? It's working. And, 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 not, and don't take that that I'm, I'm for that. What I'm saying is they know what, what works in people's minds and people's hearts, especially men. Who do you think is going to buy a sandwich that big? I need, I, hello? I, I've, never, I've never seen one woman walk up to the counter and say, can I have that 50-foot tall hamburger you got up there that's going to take me three days to eat? Are y'all with me? They know who they're targeting, and they use what they know is going to work. Now, what, what, what can we take from that? This is, this is a good reason that we encourage all the ladies in here to dress modestly. To protect the minds of people. Uh, this, is, this is the reason that we, we, we go into great uh, concern and detail and instruct people. Listen, let's be careful what we watch on TV. Let's be careful what we, what we surround ourselves with. Because I promise you this. I promise you this. We are not as strong as we think we are. Because that brings us to the third part of this verse. Look what the next verse says. It says, first, they're good, smooth talkers. They use what they know is going to work. They, 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 they target the very base, the very base appetites of the old nature. And then watch this. Who are they, who are they targeting? Who are they aiming at? Those that were clean escape from them who live in error. Now, what does that mean? That means those that are barely saved. Do you know who most false teachers will always get the most immature of the crowd? How many of y'all ever watch uh, National Geographic? Y'all ever watch when, when them lions or them cheetahs or uh, 
uh, them jaguars and everywhere, they're going after a herd. They always look for the young one. They always peel them off from the crowd. It always makes me nervous when you have somebody that's always got an issue. They always got something that, they, that they're con- concerned about. And they always want to talk to the baby Christians of the bunch. And the reason that they do that is because they know a seasoned saint is not going to put up with their garbage. And a seasoned saint will say, well, if you got that big a problem, let's go talk to the leadership. But a baby Christian, you know, I never, I never saw it that way. I never thought of it that way. I, and they get pulled in. And, and see, a baby Christian, my dad, this is funny. Uh, y'all have heard me tell stories about my dad all the time. And, 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 and I know y'all think I make this stuff up, but it's the God's truth. He really did. After he was saved, he was so on fire for God, he went to everything that was in the bulletin and he showed up at the woman's auxiliary. That's a fact. They made him go home. <clears throat> this, is, this is what he did. He was so excited about being saved. And I think if you are saved, you'll be excited about being saved and you'll want other people to be saved. Well, he went to my Uncle Junior's house because he wanted to tell Uncle Junior about salvation. And, and my Uncle Junior, he had, he had come from another persuasion, another uh, affiliation or denomination or whatever that didn't believe in eternal security. That, that you could lose your salvation, get saved this week, and lose it next week, and have to get saved again and get baptized 13 times before you got the glory. Amen? And, and so that's what he believed because that's what he was told his whole life. And, uh, and, and by the way, he's in hell tonight because of that. Because he never thought he could live up to what was expected. He never thought he could be good enough to keep his salvation. So why try? But that's a whole other message. My dad went to him. He was so excited and so, 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 hey, uncle, man, I tell you, uncle, let me tell you what happened to me down at the church. He said, he said, man, I got saved. I want you to come go to church with me. And, uh, and my uncle Jr. said, no, he said, I can't go to church down there. He said, they believe in once saved, always saved. My, my dad said, uh-uh. <laughs> he said, no, they don't. And then he went, he went back to the preacher, and he said, he said, preacher, we don't believe in once saved, always saved, do we? He said, yeah, let me show you why. Let me show you some scripture. And he come back to him, Uncle Jr. and said, yeah, we do. That's what we believe. Amen. Now, Now, see, what happens is, is, is false teachers and people on the outside, people that are tricked, they'll try to get somebody that don't know. And, and, and see, at that point, I'm glad Dad had somebody strong enough and a disciple, uh, uh, somebody to disciple him and share with him truth so he would know what the truth is. You see, this is why we can't ignore our Bible. This is why we can't ignore church. This is why we can't ignore Bible study. Because there's people out there to get you and to trap you. They're there every week, and you need to know the Word. Listen, the reason they were so successful at getting uh, 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 people and pulling them away from the true faith is because they were slick with their words, Listen, they, they attacked and targeted the very base appetites of the old, old nature, and, and, and they went after the very babes in Christ. That's why we need to mature and grow. That's why Ephesians 4.11 is so, so important. Are you with me? Say amen. Listen, we know this freedom that they're offering is false because of it's, it's based on false promises. Number two, it's offered by false Christians. It's offered by false Christians. Listen, me standing in a garage does not make me a Ferrari. Say amen. (laughs) Professing, professing salvation doesn't make you a Christian. I guarantee you, you ask every, if you knock on every single door in this county and you ask them this question, are you a Christian? I guarantee you 95% will say yes. Haven't darkened the doors in, 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 in their probably their whole life. But they'll tell you, yes, I'm a Christian. Most all of them will. But profession does not make you a Christian. Now, these guys said they were. These guys said they were believers. But watch what he says in verse number 19. He said, while they promised them liberty, 
they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. What he's saying is, they're coming up in chains, and they said, I want to tell you how to be free. And he's saying, how can you teach somebody else to be free, and you're in bondage yourself? Are y'all with me? Listen, I, I, I put a lot of information, and, and, and I probably read a lot tonight than I normally do, but I wanted to be able to do this in a way that you could really get it. Uh, the, 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 under number two, it says, you cannot set someone free if you are in bondage yourself. These false teachers were in bondage. Peter made it clear that these men had temporarily disentangled themselves from the pollutions of the world, but then they went right back into bondage again. They professed to be saved, but had never really been redeemed, set free at all. Say, so, oh, these people got saved. How many of y'all know you can clean up your act and still be lost? Do you know there are atheists who do not even believe in God that act more morally correct than a lot of Christians I know? Cleaning up your act and cleaning up your talk, that doesn't make you a Christian. Now listen, as we continue, look here. The tense in the verb in 2 Peter 2.19 are present. In other words, it says, while they promised them, the new believers, liberty, they themselves, the false teachers, the apostates, are the servants of corruption. They claim to be the servants of God, but they are only the servants of sin. It's bad enough to be a slave, but when sin is your master, you are in worst possible condition a person can experience. Amen. Those who live by God's truth enter into more and more freedom, but those who live by lies experience more and more bondage. Until the latter end is worse than, for them than the beginning. This reminds us of the Lord's parable in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. Let's turn there. Let's turn there. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 12, and we'll, we'll read this verse because it parallels what Peter's saying right here. In Matthew chapter number 12, verse 43, he, he, he gives a description of somebody. <clears throat> in verse number 43, he says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now let me describe that. I have seen people, I have seen people in, 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 in my experience, in the life that I've, I've, I've lived in church my whole life, 40 years, I've, I've, I've been around church, seen church, seen people come in church, seen people leave church, uh, everything you can imagine about church, I've seen, experienced it, been there, saw it, got the t-shirt, whatever you want to call it, and, 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 and this, is, this is what happens a lot. You'll find somebody who is lost, who is lost, doesn't know Christ as their Savior, uh, uh, and, 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 and they live like lost people live. Y'all with me? I'm not going to go into detail, but you, you, you can imagine that. Lost people do what lost people do. So they have a life that's basically uh, really sinful, really wicked, if you will. Well, then they come to church. Then they come to church, and, and, and they like church. The, 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 the act of church itself. They like the atmosphere, they like the, the, the excitement, they like the singing, they like the way people treat each other, and so they just kind of blend in and they start going to church and they start cleaning up their act. They don't get saved, they don't repent, they don't come to God and let God's Spirit come into them, they just get better. And guess what? They can do that for a little bit. They can, they, can, they can sustain that for a little bit. But without the Holy Spirit there, they can't, they can't remain. And they cannot, they cannot sustain that being good. And what I've seen by experience, that they leave church, they leave God, they leave righteousness, they leave the Word, and they are ten times worse than they were before. And that's basically what this is saying. What are you saying? If you take something away, you better replace it with something. If you, if you step out of the old lifestyle, you better, you better replace it with God, his word, his spirit, true salvation. Somebody say amen. 
it always makes me nervous because we're going to get some tight stuff tonight, and then we're we're going to have to stay till we get it. We got to get this. Uh, uh, we've got so many churches filled with people who have a counterfeit. They've come into church and they've liked it and they say, hey, man, this is for me. I've changed my ways. I've done this. But they've never come to a place where they truly repented. They truly came to God and said, God, I'm giving you my life. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. I accept you as my Savior. Listen, true repentance never took place, but they reformed. They got better. They quit cussing. They, they, they tried to change. Uh, and, 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 are y'all with me? I'm going to go into more detail in a minute, but do you understand what I'm saying? Well, this, we have people all over America like this. And when I see people that's never been to church and they just start coming to church and they like it and they just keep coming and for an extended period of time without making a, a, an effort to make a decision for Christ, it always makes me nervous. And it always scares me for them. Because if you are lost, I want you to come to Christ I don't want you to like church to the point that church is enough for you. You need Christ, not the act of doing church. And this is what we have. Listen, this, this parable, it teaches us something. And I, I put it in, in bold letters and I underlined it. Temporary reformation without true repentance and rebirth only leads to greater sin and judgment. Now watch this. This is so important. Reformation cleans up the outside, but regeneration changes the... Why, why, do, you think, why do you think the Bible says, be not conformed to the world, but be ye... Conformed, if you look up the word conform, means to press into a mold. You can... You can put pressure on people and they can look a certain way. You can put pressure on people and they can talk a certain way. You can put pressure on people and they'll act a certain way. They'll act religious and they'll, they'll reform and straighten up the outside. But that, listen, pressure from the outside don't change the inside. And if you don't change the inside, that outside will go back to whatever matches the inside. I need a witness. The Bible says don't be conformed. Don't be pressurized. And see, that's the reason legalism don't work. It's because we're trying to put outward pressure on somebody to be something instead of feeding the inside and saying, hey, you need Jesus on the inside. Transformation is coming from the word metamorphio, which means from the inside out. And I'm telling you, if Jesus gets on the inside, the outside will change. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now watch. Reformation don't work. Temporary reformation does not work. We need regeneration from the inside. Sinful tendencies do not disappear when a person reforms. They merely hibernate and get stronger. Holiness is not simply refusing to do evil things, for even unsaved people can practice self-control to a point. True holiness is more than conquering temptation. It is conquering even the desire to disobey God. You can expect nothing but false freedom from false Christians who offer false promises. But there is a third reason why this freedom is false, and this is the biggie. This is the biggie. Got, got a lot of information here, but this is so important that we get. There, there, was, there was false Christians. There was false promises. But I want you to see this, a false experience. A false experience. Because this, is, this will trip people up. So, well, I had an experience. Something happened. Let me tell you something. The first time I went to Carabas, I had an experience. <laughs> the first time I ever had a sirloin marsala, somebody say amen. And if you never had one, you can't, you can't relate to me right now. It was wonderful. It was exciting. But that doesn't make it spiritual. I tell you what, first time I went to an Alabama game, I had an experience. Because I was wearing a Florida shirt, say amen. It was the very first time in my life I heard Rammer Jammer, amen. I had an experience. 
And, and, and I'm, 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 I'm joking a little bit, but let me tell you something. When I was sitting in that stand, and, 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 and in that stand, I, like I'm deer hunting, amen. I was sitting in that stadium, and they played uh, Sweet Home Alabama, and they run out on field. Buddy, I came close to saying roll tide. But I didn't, amen. I didn't do it. Preacher, you just being silly. No, I'm trying to get you to understand. You can have experiences. You can feel something exciting. But feeling something exciting doesn't mean it was God. And that's where, that's where we've got people that are so confused. Now watch. Watch. Peter... Look, look how, look how he describes, look how he describes these. Because the reason I'm saying this is because there are some people that believe that these false teachers were once saved and then they lost it. They turned away from God and now, but that's not true. That's not true. If somebody, if somebody's a backslider, what do we do? We try to go get them and bring them back into the fold, Right? When the, when, the, when the one sheep or the one lamb was out lost, did he not leave the 99 to go seek that one to bring them back? You don't see that kind of language with what Peter's saying. You know, he's calling them brute beasts who were made to destroy. I mean, they don't even use any kind of language. You don't hear anywhere where they said they were former sheep. And that's important for us to get, and you'll see why. Peter calls these apostates natural brute beasts in verse number 12. Then he ended the warning by describing them as pigs and dogs. But he was, not, he, he was not simply showing his personal disdain for them, but rather he was teaching a basic spiritual lesson. It is very important that we understand that the pronoun they, they in this entire paragraph is referring to the false teachers and not their converts. Watch this. It is also important that we remember that these teachers are not truly born-again people. Jude, in his letter, he describes the same people in his letter, and he stated clearly that they were sensual, having not the Spirit. It is not profession of spirituality that marks a true believer, but possession of the Spirit of God within. Somebody say amen. amen. But these apostates did have a religious experience. Or they couldn't have gotten in, they couldn't have gotten into the fellowship. Are y'all with me? The church, if they didn't have some kind of experience, the church wouldn't have let them in the fellowship. Now watch, now watch. Since Peter wrote both of his letters to the same group of believers, we may assume that they had the doctrinal foundation presented so clearly in his first letter. Peter emphasized the new birth. He reminded his readers that they were partakers of the divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4. In his first letter, Peter described the believers as sheep. There is no indication that the false teachers had ever experienced a new birth. They had knowledge of salvation and could use the language of the church, but they lacked that true saving experience with the Lord. At one time, they had even received the word of God, but then they turned away from it. They never trusted Christ and became a sheep. Instead of being sheep, they were pigs and dogs. Now keep this in mind. Dogs in that day were not pampered pets. The Jews called the Gentiles dogs because a dog was nothing but a filthy scavenger who lived on garbage. It is hardly a title of respect or endearment. These men could point to an experience, but it was a false experience. Satan is a counterfeiter. We have already seen that Satan has a false gospel preached by false ministers, and it's got Bible verses beside it, producing false Christians and in perils among false brethren. In his par parables of the tares, our Lord taught that Satan plants his counterfeits, which are the children of the wicked one, wherever God plants true believers. Now watch this. What kind of experience did these false teachers have? To use Peter's vivid images, the pig was washed on the outside, but it remained a? The dog was cleaned up on the inside, but remained a? The pig looked better, and the dog felt better, but neither one had been changed. They each had the same old nature, not a new one. What is, what's the point? The pig looked clean but it was still a pig. The dog felt better, but it was still a dog. So what happens? If, the, if there is not a new nature, 
Look, look, in, look in 2 Peter. Look in 2 Peter chapter 1. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse number 4. 2 Peter 1, 4, are you there? <clears throat> whereby, and it's talking about believers. It's talking about salvation. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That's the promise of salvation. That by these, by the gospel, ye might be partakers of the partakers of the having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now we're going to see two words. We're going to see pollution and corruption here in just a second. But what that is saying is this, when a person gets saved, when they truly come to salvation, uh, listen, in, in repentance of their sin and come to Christ for salvation, they are changed. They have a new nature. People, people that reform, they can clean up the outside. They can come to church and feel a little bit of inspiration and even feel better about themselves on the inside. But if they're still the same way, if they still have the same appetites, if they still have the same behavior, they're not a, listen, they're not a Christian. They're not saved because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody say amen. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have issues. That doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. That doesn't mean we're not going to fail. But what it does mean is we're not going to want to no more. Listen, the difference between a lost man and a saved man is not necessarily that one sins and the other doesn't. It's one don't care and the other one does. Are y'all with me? Watch this. Watch this. This explains why both animals return to the old life. It was part of their nature. A pig can stay clean only a short time and then must head for the nearest mud hole. We do not condemn a pig for acting like a pig because it's a pig's nature. Now, if we saw a sheep heading for the, the mud hole, we, need, we got a problem, amen? The dog feels better after emptying his stomach, but it's still a dog. Having an experience did not change his nature. Quite the contrary. It only gave further evidence of his dog nature because he came back and acted like a dog. He lapped up his own vomit. It's a disgusting picture, but that's exactly the response Peter wanted to produce. Now watch this. This is fixing to get good. According to Second Yes. According to Second Peter two twenty. These apostates escaped the pollutions of the world. Let's go back to that verse that people try to use saying they were saved. Look what it says in verse 20. For after they have escaped the what? Pollutions. Pollutions. Now, now, go back, to, go back to chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the... Corruption. Now, the difference between pollution and corruption, pollution is on the outside. Corruption is on the inside. All right? Now, watch. Now, watch. Uh, uh, pollution is defilement on the outside, but true believers have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Corruption is much deeper than defilement on the outside. It is decay on the inside. True believers have received a new nature, a divine nature, and they have a new and different appetites and desires. They've been transformed from pigs and dogs into sheep. And see that, see, that's why a truly saved person cannot get out in this world and enjoy it anymore. You want me to tell you the most miserable person in the world? The one that's saved and out of the will of God. Because they try to go to the bar and they can't enjoy that no more. It just don't taste the same. The dancing don't feel the same. The atmosphere is just not right. Because the whole time that a saved Christian is out in the world, the Holy Spirit saying, what business do you have in here? What is that that you got in your hand? You have no business doing what you're doing, and you can't enjoy it anymore. Amen. Are y'all with me? And, and, and then that same backslidden person comes into the house of God where people are celebrating, the listen, the goodness of God and excited about the grace of God and are living in the presence of God and they can't stand that either because misery likes company. But you can take somebody this reformed 
that's just tried to get better and change their ways a little bit and tried to get better and say, hey, I, I want to be a better person and all that, hey, they can go right back to that bar and enjoy that, that atmosphere and enjoy running around, carrying on, doing all that because their nature never changed. But oh boy, if you truly get saved and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, you can't take him to places you used to take him. Because he'll be screaming in your ear like a roaring lion. How many of y'all know I'm telling the truth? Hey, if that nature didn't change, it, it, it didn't work. If you didn't transform. Listen, when we, when we take, and, and please get this, please get this. This is not meaning you're going to be perfect. It's not. And that's not what I mean. But I'm telling you. You will be different. Now, let me explain it this way. My, my dad, my dad, his salvation experience and my salvation experience was different. Because you see, my dad never went to church. He didn't know anything about God. He didn't know anything about church. He didn't know anything about holiness and righteousness. And, and basically, the only thing he ever saw was what the hypocrites did. So he didn't know anything about that. And so he lived wickedly wickedly i mean in the darkness is where he was from and the moment he got saved i mean when you're living in that much darkness and you get you get exposed to that much light i mean it's night and day why do you think he showed up at the woman's auxiliary i mean when i say he went from darkness unto light he went from darkness unto light and you know what? He's never doubted his salvation. How can you doubt something that big a deal? But you know what? When I got saved, I believe what I believe after I got saved, what I believe before I was saved. Because I knew about as much Bible after I got saved as I did before I got saved. Because I grew up in church. I was spoon-fed, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, 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 I grew up on all of this stuff, so, so I, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't really dark. I was lost. But I was walking around, everybody called me a little preacher boy. Listen, when I got saved, I, I, I'd wear a three-piece suit, cowboy boots, and a Bible this big. <laughs> so there was no, there was no, oh. I mean, when, when dad got saved, it was like, you, you see in the movies, the lights got brighter and the choir went singing, hallelujah, Hi, you know. So he had this grand, I didn't have that. And you know what? There's been times I doubted mine when he never doubted his because it was so different. Y'all with me? So don't base your experience, and whether you're saved or not, by are you different? Is he on the inside, roaring like a lion? Yeah. Well, I hope you, I hope you get this. Can you, can you keep going out doing the same things you used to? And, and, and God. Not whoop your britches. That's biblical. You say, why are you making such a big deal out of this? Because. Look in your notes. Imagine the disappointment of the person who thinks they've been delivered. Only to discover that in the end, he is worse in worse shape than when he started. These apostates promise freedom, but all they give is bondage. True freedom must come from within. It has to do with the inner nature of the person. I realize that there are some who believe that these apostate teachers were true believers in turning from the knowledge of Christ. They forfeited their salvation, but even a casual reading of 2 Peter 2 and Jude would convince the impartial reader that these teachers never had a true experience of salvation through faith in Christ. 
Peter would have never compared them to swine and dogs had they been once members of the Lord's true flock. Nor would he have called them cursed children in verse 14. If they were true believers who had gone astray, it would have been Peter's responsibility to encourage his readers to rescue these backsliders. But Peter did not command them to do so. Instead, he commanded the apostates in some of the most forceful language found in the New Testament. Listen, now we better understand why this freedom offered by these teachers is a false freedom. A freedom that only leads to bondage. It is based on false promises, empty words, sounding exciting but having no divine authority behind them. It is offered by false Christians who were involved in a false experience. From start to finish, this freedom is a product of our adversary, the devil. Now we can appreciate Peter's admonition in 2 Peter. You say, Peter, you're just trying to get me to doubt. No, no, I'm trying to do what Peter says in verse one, chapter 1, verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. In other words, has your spiritual experience been genuine? It is a startling fact that there are many people in our churches who have never truly been born again, but who are convinced that they are saved and going to heaven because they had an experience. And perhaps they look better like the sow, and they feel better like the dog, but they've not been made partakers of the divine nature. Perhaps Peter recalled Judas, one of the twelve, who was a tool of the devil and, ne and was never born again. Up to the very end, the other disciples did not know the truth about Judas and thought he was a spiritual man. I think there's going to be great surprise in heaven by who's there and who's not there. Let me read this verse, and I, I need you to put your paper down and, and just look at me a minute. In Titus chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Under the pure, all things are pure. Under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Watch this. They profess, they profess that they know God. In works, they deny him. Being abominable it means worthless and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. In other words, they say, I'm a Christian. They say they know God, but their life deceives them. Then, then this is, to me, this is the saddest, saddest verses. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many, many, say it with me, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Isn't it amazing that they made a list of all the stuff they did for God? But in living and unbelieving in a Deceive life, the Bible says, ye workers of. And another thing about this losing your religion stuff, most, most people use this verse to prove that, you know, people, people's lost their religion. There's only one problem. Jesus said, I never knew you. He didn't say, I, I knew you for a little while, and then you walked away. He said, I never knew you. Preacher, what's the point? point is this. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by an experience. I, I told you when we started this particular part of this 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 study about my friend who was a who was an evangelist, and he went to a conference or a or a crusade. I mean, a, a, just a blatant false prophet. I mean, a, just a just a blatant false prophet that, and and I don't want to go into detail, but he said, but, but I felt something. I tried to say, look, don't be deceived by that. Don't, don't be deceived by feeling because feelings can be deceptive.
That's why we don't operate in feelings. We operate in fact. Y'all with me? So what do you mean by that? There's days I don't feel saved. I know that's a shock. I don't feel saved, much less a preacher. But thank God I don't operate in feelings. On those days I feel like I'm not saved, I go back to facts. And I look at my Bible and that Bible, because the devil's going to tell you all the time. He's going to try to trip you up. Y'all with me? Devil, my Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are y'all with me? It's facts, faith, then feelings. Don't be deceived by your feelings. Are you saved? Make your calling and elections. Well, preacher, I've, I've, I've gone to church most of my life. That don't get you in. I guarantee you, when I got saved, I could quote more Bible than most preachers in America. I could tell you anything you want to know about probably any story in the Bible. Because I'd been to so much in, in, in Christian school and all this kind of education. But I was lost. I was lost. Make your calling and election sure. You're trying to get me to doubt. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to do what Peter said. Make your calling and election sure. For in doing these things, ye shall never fall. And all God's people said. I think we need an invitation. All right. Here's my piano player here. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, I don't see him. Either one. <laughs> I may play chopsticks or something. Amen. Yes, play anything softly. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Uh, Travis, you got your Bible? Come up with, with, yeah, there we go. There we go. You don't have to if you want to. I've, we got them all here. I want to do this. I want to do this. There's no way. There's no way. I'm going to give this, this, this message and not give you an opportunity to trust Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I know that you're speaking to folks right now. In a crowd this size, there's no, no doubt. There's somebody that you're dealing with. There's somebody you're... Lord, that you are speaking to. Probably spoke to them before they got here. But boy, you're really speaking now. Lord, don't let them leave this building without trusting you, without knowing for sure that they're saved. I pray your will be done. This is the invitation. If you need to come and pray, if God is speaking to your heart about salvation, come on right now. Don't be ashamed of him. This is not a time to be ashamed. This is not a time to worry. This is not a time to doubt. If God is speaking to you right now, come on. Come on. Come on. We've got folks coming right now. Do you need to come? Say, preacher, I've gone to church a long time, but have you changed? Have you changed? Is your nature different? Has God changed on the inside? I'm not asking you have, you, have you done better? Have you changed the way you look on the outside? I'm asking you, has God changed your inside? We've got people all over this altar right now. Come on. You won't be alone. You won't be alone. Come on. Come on. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe you know somebody right now that, that, that's lost and you've been praying for. Maybe it's a, a lost husband. Maybe it's a lost wife. Maybe it's a lost child. Maybe it's a lost cousin. Maybe it's a lost mom or dad and you need to pray for them. Won't you take it just a minute and find a place in this altar and let's all pray for them. Let's pray for that uncle. Let's pray for that brother. Let's pray for that sister. Let's pray for that son. Let's pray for that daughter. Let's ask God to move on their behalf. Let's ask God to save them before it's too late. God is moving in this place. God is moving in this place. That's it. Come on. Father, we pray. 
for relatives. We pray for friends. We pray for loved ones. We, we pray for co-workers. Father, we pray for those who do not know you as their Savior. They do not know you as their Lord, their, their inner king. Maybe they've had an experience. Maybe, maybe, maybe they've, they've been religious. Maybe they've reformed and tried to get better on their own. But they never come to you and repented and gave you their heart and come to you in salvation faith. Father, I pray, Lord, that your will be done. I pray for, I pray for all the brothers that are being prayed for, all the sisters that are being prayed for, all the mothers that are being prayed for, the fathers and the, the aunts and the uncles. And, Lord, you know them by name. You know them by heart. You know every hair on their head. And I pray, I pray that you'll speak to them. I pray that you'll help them. I pray that you'll give them what they stand in need of. Lord, I pray for those that are praying for them. I pray that you'll give them the courage to witness. I pray that you'll give them the courage to live in front of them the life they need to live so that they could come to know you as their Savior. Father, I pray that your will be done. I pray that you'll move in a great way. And God will thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You keep playing. You stand to your feet.